moving your career further faster. That's the mission behind Cascading Leadership. Each week, we're bringing you stories of women, immigrants, members of the global majority who have risen to the ranks of senior leadership in the world of business. Get ready to gather the insights of some of the world's best business leaders and apply those to your career. If you're interested in sales and marketing effectiveness, organizational effectiveness, talent strategy, DEI, or HR tech, tune in. We're going to share with you what they don't teach you in business school. Welcome to the show. Welcome to today's episode of Cascading Leadership. I am your friendly neighborhood talent strategy nerd, Dr. Jim. And as per usual, we have a phenomenal episode slated for today. So here are some of the key things that we're going to take away from this episode. And we have a phenomenal guest joining us to take us through that journey. So in this episode, we're going to learn why you shouldn't listen to your inner critic. We're also going to learn why you should learn to let things go. We're both parents here, so we can probably start singing the the Frozen song, but we're not going to because I have a terrible voice. I don't know how your voice is, but we'll just let that go. But we're going to learn why it's important to let things go. And then, and arguably most importantly, we're going to learn why you should you should define your journey versus having others define your journey. And joining us today to teach us uh, through her experience how you navigate all of these challenges, we have Preeti Kaur. Preeti, thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you, Dr. Jim. So hi, everyone. I'm Preeti Kaur. Happy to be here. Honored to be here. Live in California, work for a company called Carda. I'm a VP engineering there. I've been here for almost four years now. I have a eight-year-old hyper energy son. I started my career as a back-end engineer, moved on to management, been doing this ever since. I think you're selling yourself a little short, so I'm going to brag on <laughs> you a little bit. So let's let's set the stage here. So you're a unicorn in a number of different ways. So one... For those of, of you that are listening to the show, if you're not aware in terms of the US tech landscape, there are very few women in tech. So when you start out with very few women in tech, there's also very few women leaders in tech. And as you go further up in the chain, fewer and fewer people that look like you that are at the at that level. And then we have the added component of Preeti being a generation zero immigrant who is a senior leader in tech. So there's all sorts of stuff there. And that's before we get into the story of of her overall journey. So I wanted to make sure that we throw that out there and make a specific point in, in bringing that out or calling that out. So one quick thing before we dive into all the things that you're going to share with us, tell us a little bit about Carta in general and give us a little sense for you've been there for four years. What made you join in the first place and what keeps you coming back? So Carta is a company that it's a fintech. We are late stage private company valued at 8 billion. I can't call ourselves early stage, small startup. (laughs) We're a pretty established company now. When I joined, that wasn't the case and it was chaos. It was day one. And that's been really a hyper growth. One of the lucky ones to be in a company like this, that's been doing so well and people are so kind and it's a really good place, I feel like, to keep going back. What Carta does is a cap table management software, which is basically helping people manage their equity in 
the private world and also then help them go through all these different phases from a two founders in a garage size company all the way to a public company, investor, employees, all the different aspects of what it takes to have a company be successful and go through all the life cycle, so to say. When I was looking for the next opportunity back in my career four years ago, it I wanted stability. I wanted challenge. I also didn't want to join a company that had done it all. I wanted the day one kind of feeling. So that's why I joined Carta. People seemed great. And it was overall just that package that I was looking for. So we can add another unicorn element to your story. All that stuff that I already mentioned, and you throw in a late stage startup that's been that pre-IPO stage, that's pretty rare too. Because again, for whatever reason, you see the startup ranks not really populated very well or very significantly with women and certainly very low volume or population of women who are minorities or immigrants in those ranks. So again, another thing that adds some context into how unique your story and your experience is going to be. Thanks. I referenced this early on. You're a generation zero immigrant, just like I am. So tell us about where what the landscape was like from where you came from and also your early experiences when you came to the state. Yeah. Back in my early 20s, I was a different person. My whole aim in life was to get married and have a good life, have some kids. For some reason, I thought that's what I wanted. And that's the thing. You keep learning as you grow. And that's exactly what I ended up doing. And I didn't know anyone in the US. I It was just the guy I got married to moved in, moved in here and just started to learn all the different things that America is different than India. And that's where I guess my growth then started happening even further on than where my mindset was at that point. And looking around, there was just so much that could be accomplished and learned and I could become something. And it just started to maybe bother me. Just sitting at home wasn't something I wanted to do anymore. And I started exploring, looking at universities, looking at kinds of classes they offer. What can you do? I even tried substitute teaching, which is a which was a fun, interesting part, kindergarten substitute teacher. But I somehow got into this idea that I need to further my education. And I had a hotel management degree from India and wanted to get into something different. So wanted to meet counselors at universities and start learning about the way of the world here now. And that's how I ended up with a interest in computer science from a counselor who said, do whatever you want. Like You keep meeting these people as you go through life and listen to them when they're giving you some good advice. And I did. And that's how I got into computer science and got my master's degree. So Let's talk a little bit about the journey from your original mindset to having a master's in computer science. You came to the US under the mindset of, hey, my ideal version of life at the time is being married and running the household and all of that sort of stuff. Where yeah. do you think that mindset came from? It's interesting that I had that mindset because at my house, my mom has was a school teacher. She's always worked throughout her life. And I very progressive family. In fact, she always wanted us to have careers. It's more that I think I didn't find a good fit for something that was interesting to me while I was going through those college and all those years. I it, 
I think computer science was meant to be. I just didn't come across that one thing. I just did so many other things. And it felt how in India you call it settling down is what I wanted to do. And my parents at that time were like, yeah, if that's what you want to do, then go have a good life, do that. And there was, I had the freedom to choose whatever I wanted. And when you watch these Bollywood movies and you watch all these different things, like there's this certain image you have in your head that you're going to go to the US, you're going to have the good life and you're going to be the housemaker that, or the homemaker that, that probably at the time seemed easier and better for me. You mentioned that when you look at your internal family dynamic, your family was pretty progressive. And I was thinking, hey, there was probably some modeling that happened that kind of led you on that, but it just happened to be the direction that you picked at the time. The thing that I'm curious about now, your degree from India was in hotel restaurant management. And I know that in India, there is actually a bigger population or segment of women that are in tech to start out with than what you'll find in the US. So I guess when you're looking at what you what path you pursued in India, why did you pick hotel restaurant management versus like a technical field? So I was, like I said, a different person. I wanted to get away from my home. <laughs> I wanted to go be, and there was either get your bachelor in computer application, as you call it, BCA in Delhi University, or do hotel management in Hyderabad, which is far away from home. You get to stay in a hostel. You can experience. And I kid you not, that is literally why I went and did hotel management. I had no career planning, no... Yeah, I am amazed at how I just was doing whatever came I kept going. So... I'm probably going to irritate a lot of people with the next thing that I'm going to say. So I'll just restrict it to my own experience. I can totally relate to the need to get away as far as possible from your family because, hey, newsflash, I have Indian parents too, and they were all in my business and from the time I was like 10. So I don't know if that's your experience. I'm not going to put words in your mouth. No, 100% love my mom and dad, but no, seriously, that is... I just, my dad was in Indian Air Force and we were just the four of us, the close-knit family all the time. And I just, it was time to get away. And those were the two options I had at the time. So I chose the one where I could get, go far away. (laughs) So I'm originally from South India. So I'm from Kerala. And we came here to the States when I was seven. So we're here in the States like three years. So I'm 10 at this time. And my mom's already asking me the question about, Jimmy, this is my impression of my mom. Jimmy, when are we going to find you a nice Indian girl? And I'm like, what are you talking about? All I want to do. So when I say that you probably wanted to get away or I wanted to get as far away so that I could avoid these conversations from the time that I was 10, I I totally relate with kind of your desire (laughs) to do that. So thanks. Thanks for sharing that. So now you're in the US and you talked a a little bit about you saw how the world works here versus what you saw in India. Were there any specific examples that started like planting a seed in your mind about, hey, I can be like something different or like your counselor said, you can be whatever you want? Number one thing was I just was bored at home. It just is not me. And I wanted, I started venturing out. So the substitute teaching became a thing. And 
the thing is, the more you talk to people, and I'm a people's person, I make friends quickly, I just got to know people, I got to know a lot of American women, or even women who, Indian women who were here for a while, and just, they had so much more to talk about their life other than what I could talk about. And I also didn't have a very social life or nothing. I had nothing. I It was just me and my then husband and my kitchen and I could venture out a little bit. Thankfully, I could drive here, but it was just not a fulfilling enough day to day. And that's when I was, I actually went to the university to say if we could, I could do a nutritionist course because just similar to, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And the counselor, the, I actually went to the nutrition counselor and this computer science counselor just happened to be sitting here. And he asked me, why do you want to do this? And I had, I was like, I don't know, because that seems like the only option. And he gave me Computer Science for Dummies, the book. He said, like, eh, why not read this too? And I read it and I ate that book up. I was like, wow, this is so interesting. And I had always had an aptitude for math and just the science in general. So it just clicked. And I started slowly started to started coding a little on my own and just really enjoyed it. It developed over time. It didn't happen overnight. Yeah, maybe so a year. It's interesting how you started observing the world around you and women around you and forming an idea of what bigger possibilities exist. Now, up until this time, I get the sense that you were pretty alone. It was just you and your husband at the time, and that yeah. was really it. Yeah. What did you? So there's two questions. One, were you able to build a community of like-minded people to point you in the right direction? And if not, how did you like deliberately go and do that? Because you need to have some sort of support system. Yeah, I didn't. I had a phone that I could talk to my mom and my mom has been the biggest, the key highlight of my life, my guide all throughout my life. But I had to deliberately go figure out a network. I had to figure out how, where do you even start? It's that reverse engineering of everything. If I want to get to point Z, what's point A? And I just had to figure out. And the funny thing is my then husband actually was a computer a software engineer and be on his laptop all the time and be running these tests and I'd see all these things happening. And it was just interesting to me. I'd always ask him like, what's going on? What are you like? what is this language you're coding in and stuff like that. So I think there was lots of different little things that started to add up. But I think the the counselors at the universities, they have such good system. I'm, I was amazed at how much you can learn from workshops they do. And I started going on university, Cal State Hayward, which is where I was that time and going on their website and seeing what kind of information I could get. And there was a lot that I I think at least to a start, good starting point information I could gather around and get oriented. As you're getting more and more involved in basically your self-learning and your self-education process in computer science, how was that received at home? What was the reaction from your husband at the time? Not great. He was looking for a person that I think I was not someone who'd stay home and take care of the house and nothing wrong with that. It's just not me. And also the possessive side that you're interacting with other people and I don't like it. And it started off as small things 
you said you'll be home at 3 it's 5 he's at work but still keeping a check on what time i get home and all those things little things which freeway did you take like all these kinds of investigation kind of questions so it just started to it over time became pretty obvious that not received very well and but every day i was making that choice that i know i i have this pull to go and go to my classes and do what i need to do and even like doing the assignments at home started to be a reason for arguments this is the time you should make dinner for me what do you mean you have an assignment and that's becoming a problem i have this debate going on in my head if i should even say this out loud but i'm just going to go ahead and say it out loud that what you're sharing isn't uncommon in our culture it's not a rare occurrence and in in point of fact my mom and dad's experience is similar although she my mom was a nurse so it wasn't she had she came here with a job and she was already she was the one that actually brought us over but i remember as i was growing up my my dad would do the same stuff and there's this certain depending on who the person is there's often this ingrained sort of old school yep i don't even right. know i don't even know if it's old school this mentality that the woman is subservient to her husband yep. and all this sort of cultural stuff and my mom is pretty independent and that doesn't fly on some occasions so i can see the conflict so i totally i'm like yeah. rethinking some of the things that yeah. came up when i was a kid yeah um, yep so i guess when you're dealing with that sort of environment how did you manage the stress or the conflict to the extent that you could yeah it's it was calling my sister and my mom crying about it and frustrations yes and i am the kind of person when i want to do something i'm all in so if i don't get that a plus it's not going to make me happy so i figured out waking up super early or staying up after the husband has gone to bed and you figure out ways and it was starting to take a toll on me like my mom and my sister would all tell me i am just i just am a clown in general and i wasn't clowning around anymore i had become a different person who was just gen- and i don't know maybe i even started getting depressed i don't know what depression truly feels like but i think if i have come ever come really close to it it probably that time is because i just was not i come from a very family where freedom was a thing for me and i didn't see that about this person that and now in hindsight of course the whole family all the women in the family are that way they are homemakers they made choices to do that choose that life i hope those were choices they made for themselves but that's who what he was used to and i was just not cut from that thread i am not that person there's parallels between what you're saying and the history or the background between my mom and dad and eventually just like in in any story that has a, such a difference in terms of world views there was a breaking right. point so what was the breaking point in in your experience it came down to stop going to school that's not what have that talk not directly even talking to me talking to my dad about it which i was like what's going on and then having that conversation with me and quite surprised he was very surprised when i said that actually yeah i don't know i don't know if i want to which one i want to pick 
because he thought it was obvious. He had a very different perception of my capacity to accomplish something in life. And there is this one, no, there is no one moment, I guess, is where I was like, I'm done. But there were all these different things that happened. And then as always, it ends as a big fight. And that happened. And I was like, okay, you know what? This isn't working. I think I'm done. I would like a divorce. And that's where there's this little story I share. There's this Razor phone that I, you know, the slim one, that's the first very nice hip phone. And I, he bought it for me for my birthday. And he snatches it from me, snaps it in two, and then throws it away. And he goes, you're not worth it to buy to get something like this for you. And you think that you're going to finish your master's in computer science, you're going to make a career. Yeah, good luck with that. And in that moment, it obviously hurt. That is it. I can pin everything down to that one moment when he said that to me. And I realized everything that my mom had been trying to tell me this whole time before I got married, make a career, do something with your life is thing that anyone else gives you they can take it away because ultimately it's theirs thing that you do for yourself and what you make of yourself that no one can take away that is what you and your thing and your achievements and that that I think to answer to your question is where I think my whole world just went the other it just was a that point everything changed for me I don't want to gloss over the the importance of that moment because you're dealing with a whole bunch of cultural expectation. You're dealing with your own expectations with yourself. You're dealing with certain uh, elements of familial expectations. And here's the thing, like culturally speaking, and again, I can't paint an entire subcontinent with the same brush, but there's a significant vein in our culture that looks at divorce as I don't know, you might as well set yourself on fire or something like that. Is it like the, among the worst totally. things that you can happen? Totally. No one in my family had heard of the terms. Nobody had ever been divorced. I, yeah, that was a whole other episode with my family, my parents, but I had made up my mind at that point that this is what I'm going to do. Now, I'm going to ask a question and I'm curious how you navigated this because my mom actually went through this mindset component where she went through the same thing, where basically in her situation, it was my dad woke up after charging up tens of thousands of dollars and doing a cash advance on all of the credit cards and sending it off to his family in India. He woke up the next day. He woke up the next day. So nobody's listening. So I'm just going to be like all out here. (laughs) He woke up the next day and sat up in bed and told my mom, I'm done with you. And he left. And my mom. So when you talk about the breaking of the phone and throwing it and all of that, I'm right there in my mom's experience. And for there was a significant period of time where my mom was sitting there thinking, I'm a failure because my marriage broke up. I don't know if you dealt with that thought in your head, but if you did, how did you get through that? Yeah, I think I was, this is something about me is I've given my all, like I said, in whatever I do, that's just how I am. And I had by then, and then there is no turning back for me. And I was at that point. So much as I was afraid for putting my mom and dad who were still in India through, how am I going to explain to the people 
my uncles and aunts that was my bigger worry i didn't see myself i think it was just because it was such an extreme thing that i went through in my opinion anyway that i just felt justified even more so now than ever that there is there, this is my path and when i with my parents of course there was a big one my dad didn't speak with me for a week and then we got around it but the thing that i decided it's just a moment of wise thinking i guess i had is this i'm not going to be known as that girl who got divorced i'm going to be known as that girl who went through some sad parts in her life but ultimately made a name for herself and made her parents proud and the story my sisters my cousins would hear is about oh look at her and see how she's built herself up that's the just the beginning of my story not the end of my story and that when i talk to my parents about it this way no there was no questions that like the support i got i my parents my sister came stayed with me for a while figured it all out i had to do obviously part time job and work full time and work as go to school full time it was chaos but i was young and i had the energy and i could do it but i think it was more a challenge for me than it was a hey i'm failing at the marriage and i think i just moved on from that not it didn't take me that long to be honest thank you for listening to this episode of cascading leadership we hope you enjoyed the story as much as we did make sure you subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast player Follow us on YouTube, TikTok, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Leave us a review. Tell a friend. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, reach out to me at jim at cascadingleadership.com. Tune in next time for another great episode that will help you move your career further faster.